Hey, this is Cara from Ruminate, and you're listening to Questionable Food. There are fragile places in our global food system, and there are things that are breaking down on a global scale right now that are not giving people confidence in that system. So I think that there are more people who are looking at how do we build up our resiliency by supporting our local farmers at this time, and I hope that that's something that continues on past this crisis. Today I'm talking to Dana Eardley, Assistant Manager of the Fulton Street Farmers Market in Grand Rapids, Michigan, about how she sees COVID-19 as an opportunity for a resurgence of the Eat Local movement and how farmers are adapting to new market norms and expanding their digital offerings. So last time we chatted, we discussed the experience at the market more from the customer point of view, but an obviously huge piece of the farmers market discussion is the farmers. What are the changes that these farmers are experiencing? What's it like from their point of view now? There have been a lot of changes, especially, you know, from week one of shelter in place to now, we've shifted things week by week. And, you know, some of the biggest changes are not allowing customers to touch your product. You know, that is something that customers love to come and look and pick out their favorite batch of carrots, you know, and and smell the herbs and all of that. And so it's something that farmers are very used to customers engaging with their product. And now that's no longer available, which is a huge shift for them, especially, you know, in terms of how you set up your booth, even, you know, typically folks are stacking the, the product as high as possible and making it look abundant and beautiful. And now we're having to individually bag a lot of the products so that we can just grab it and not have that, not have to worry about that um, contact on the actual product. And so the farmer's just grabbing the bag and, you know, the aesthetics are different. The structure is different. Um, and so that's, I think that's been the hardest shift for, for our farmers, but other shifts are, you know, our efforts to, um, you know, not have the same, we're really highly encouraging that all of our vendors have at least two personnel on site so that one person's dealing with cash and one person's dealing with the product. We are no longer allowing sampling, which is, you know, a huge way for farmers and especially for food creators to get their products out, especially new innovative products. Folks want to be able to come to the market and sample. And so that was a real um, shift for people initially. I think that the customer counts are also um, one of the biggest barriers. You know, we go from having thousands of people on a Saturday to saying only 66 people are permitted in the market right now. You know, a lot of our farmers are nervous about that, but I'm, I'm glad to say that we haven't seen a reduction in sales in light of the, the customer accounts because I think that folks are coming and they're really shopping seriously and they're stocking up and buying a lot. And so each customer that's coming through, I think, is is spending more. And so vendors, fortunately, are not seeing a loss in sales that we would have anticipated. That's really fascinating. I mean, do you have kind of thoughts on what's behind that trend or how you think that might carry a post-crisis in terms of that almost that consolidation of sales? Yeah, there's a lot there to talk about, but I think we're really optimistic. You know, it feels like it's a a resurgence of the Eat Local movement of 2012. You know, it feels like people are really starting to question again 
Where is my food coming from? Who's growing it? How's it being grown? People are looking for really highly nutrient dense foods. And so I, I think that that's a huge part of it is, you know, people are afraid of shortages, food shortages, whether they're real or just, you know, out of people's fear that they might be happening. I think that people are nervous about the safety of purchasing food in in big box stores just in with the number of contact to each product you know with all the customers coming through and so i think that people just are feeling really safe right now coming to the farmers market and so i i'm really optimistic that that's something that will help to shift people long term you know once you're once you're experiencing the farmers market and you're eating healthy delicious food and you can taste the difference and know your farmer and have that sense of connection to where your food's coming from i'm optimistic that people will want to continue that Um, i'm also optimistic that you know, as we look to the global food system, which absolutely plays a huge role and is critical for feeding, you know, our population, we're also seeing that there are fragile places in our global food system. And there are things that are breaking down on a global scale right now that are not giving people confidence in that system. So I think that there are more people who are looking at how do we build up our resiliency by supporting our local farmers at this time. And I hope that that's something that continues on past this crisis. And thinking of kind of that farmer experience, how is that adaptation kind of gone for them? Like, do you have any stories about the transition and that transition process for folks? So it's been a big shift for all of our farmers to be certain and we're lucky that our second season farmers are have been piloting and testing out different strategies um, so that they can share their their findings with folks who are coming back you know for main market next week but it's some of the interesting stories are just the demand the increase in demand has been incredible um i know full hollow farm out in belding they started you know in response to this crisis they started having um, pre-sale orders where you can go on their website and look at what they have available and you know order it online pay online and then you just show up and grab your your basket of food and they had such high demand that they couldn't come to market last week because they are low on product wow which is incredible I mean a bummer for us because yeah. we missed them but um, it's really incredible to see you know how this demand is shifting how our farmers are reacting. You know, Brad and Jamie at Full Hollow had said, it's like they could have never anticipated that they needed to grow all of this extra food, you know, for April. You know, they thought that they were already, you know, growing more than they would need, but you couldn't anticipate this. And so um, I think a lot of our farmers who are a part of second season market were really blown away with sales and with the demand. And so I think people are really taking that into account for planting, like how much they need to be growing for a main market season. But there's just so many variables that it's really hard to decipher. <laughs> I do not envy them having to do all their crop planning right now. Wow. And so there has been that sh- sort of shift to pre-orders and I know you guys promote online ordering. Is that something that kind of existed or or had been planned uh, ahead of the crisis? Or is that something that's really been put in place now? 
really as a unified effort, like for the market, it's just been put in place now. Um, we have a lot of vendors who had options for online retail. And so initially when the crisis broke out, you know, everyone was talking about, do we need to have a Fulton Street Farmers Market platform where you can pre-order all of, you know, all of your goods and then come and pick them up. But when, you know, when talking to our farmers and our vendors, so many of them already have individual platforms. And so, it made more sense for them and for us in terms of aggregation and distribution mm-hmm. for for our customers to go to their individual site. And that's something, you know, we've got over 20 vendors at this point in time who are listed on our COVID-19 page on our, on our website who are doing the pre-orders. And so it's been great just to see that demand increase and to see customers are asking for this and it's available to them. And it looks different for each farmer, but they're, most of them, most of these platforms are very user-friendly. And so you said about 20, what, what percentage is that of all the vendors that you work with? Well, it depends on the season. You know, yeah. right now we're, we're working with about 25 vendors. So that's a, a huge chunk of our current vendors. But I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as the main season you know, comes on and as vendors are returning to see if they are getting online platforms as well. It's something that we've started to ask folks about and we're trying to vet, you know, how can we best support their online sales um, but I think it's it's a very new concept for a lot of farmers, for sure. But it's an area of growth, you think, that the people kind of keep even through this year? I think so. I think the demand is so high. You know, we have customers calling us all the time asking about online ordering, but I know our individual farmers are getting those same phone calls, too. And so I think there will be, you know, some good pressure for farmers to turn to online sales. It might give me a chance to get Visser Farm strawberries in the... Yes! <laughs> One can dream. They definitely know, right? have online platforms, so definitely check that out. <laughs> so we certainly talked about a lot of really established farmers that you guys have, and their experience might be a little bit different than those who maybe are only have been around for a year, two years or so. I mean, can you chat about how those folks might be adapting as opposed to your tenured folks? Yes. So one of the unfortunate things with us being able to ensure the social distancing is that we're having to leave a space in between each vendor. And we're also having, you know, when it gets tight at the bottom of the market in the fourth and fifth sections, we're having to really limit the number of vendors who can be on the north end. And so with that, we can't have as many vendors there on a Saturday as we're used to, which means that unfortunately we're having to kind of shift some of our attendance. So some of our newer vendors and farmers are being shifted temporarily to Wednesdays and Fridays only, which they've all been very great and understanding about, but it's also a a really great opportunity to see those other days kind of get built up. I think that as folks are, you know, staying home more so and people, you know, are cooking more than they have been in years past during this crisis, um, I think that folks will be more inclined to go out on a Wednesday and Friday when they know there won't be the crowds and the waiting in line. And so I'm really optimistic for our new farmers and vendors that, you know, Wednesdays and Fridays will be a great day for them. That's really interesting. I mean, have you seen, I guess, changes in capacity or changes in attendance on those Wednesday and Friday days? We start them up with the start of the main market season. So we okay. <laughs> to be determined. Do you have some expectations based on uh, what you've seen thus far? 
I am cautiously optimistic that there'll be really great market days. I think, especially in May, it's usually a slower time on the weekday markets just because it's primarily plant sales and asparagus and apples. You know, there's not a ton that is ready in May. Um, but I think that having some of these value added products will really help to bolster them bolster the days. And I also think that having an increased social media presence um, where we're able to best communicate to folks what they can expect when they come to the market, I think that that will really help people to see what's there. Is it worth coming? And if there are enough vendors, I think that the people will come out. And it's interesting, you talked about kind of increasing social media presence. And we've talked, you know, about those, the consumers and the farmers. What about you? How has your job shifted? You know, what were you doing day to day two months ago versus now? I mean, has it changed? Yeah. So planning was, you know, it second season is always our time as management to really dig in and plan and file paperwork and receive applications and plan for the year ahead. And so we were in a really good groove and feeling like we were really prepared for main market season. And I had all my ducks in a row and then this happened and it kind of blew up a lot of the things I had planned naturally, um, especially with those partnerships with other organizations. So it went from being more planning and, and logistics to being more crisis management, more looking through what are the worst case scenarios, what are the best case scenarios, how are we supporting our farmers at this time, what additional opportunities do we need to present to our community? How are we communicating with our community at this critical time? Um, so it's been a huge increase in communications with our vendors and with our customers alike. But it's been a lot more, you know, just trying to think through the health and safety of the market, logistics of, you know, shutting down each all the sides of the market, that sort of thing. Um, and we're particularly trying to think about how are we planning for this upcoming season with all of its variables, you know, in a manner that doesn't harm our season next year when things are hopefully, you know, back in the swing of things. And so we're trying really hard to maintain as many of our partnerships and stay in good communication with everyone so that we can hopefully have a year next year that is more akin to the years past. Completely. And when you and I chatted before, you mentioned how kind of last week was calling all of the individual farmers, understanding their situation and providing them the opportunity if they weren't comfortable to stay home. What has the response been like? I mean, can you share some of those conversations that you're comfortable sharing? Definitely. So many folks are on different sides of the coin with this one because age is a huge component. You know, if people feel comfortable, you know, for older vendors, they just... You know, some of them don't feel comfortable returning, and that's, I would rather everybody stay safe above all else. And then we also have a lot of farmers and vendors who have a family member who's, you know, immunocompromised, and they just can't risk it. And so it's it's taken, and these are real conversations, you know, this isn't like, hey, check this Google form and let us yeah. know if you're coming. This is a real, like, how are yeah. you? Are you okay? You know, what can we do to support you? And then also just trying to figure out, you know, would some of these vendors just want to delay and not come back in May and maybe they'll reevaluate. Some folks have said, you know, I, I, this is a year I just need to take off, you know, for my health and safety. And so it's been a lot of really um, intentional conversation with our, with our vendors to figure out where are they at and how can we make sure that they're included moving forward but not expected to, to participate this season if they're uncomfortable. No, completely. Are most coming back or is there a general feeling? 
The majority of our farmers are coming back, thank goodness. Um, but some of them, you know, I would say there's about five or six who just said this year it's just not for me. And whether, you know, whether people are adapting their models so that they're just sending a staff person in their stead to come, you know, for those folks who are not comfortable being out in public right now, it's just going to look different for a lot of different farmers. But I would say by and large, we can expect to see a lot of the same farmers that we see every year. There's just going to be a couple that will have to hang tight and wait until next year to see them. So... I guess I wanted to kind of think in a bigger picture. So we started off as a, you know, this is a potential public health crisis, which evolved into an economic crisis and certainly a food system crisis. Do you have any final thoughts for those of us that work in the food industry and how we can kind of make ourselves more resilient, how these farmers can kind of make themselves more resilient and while still contributing to a more sustainable system? Yeah, I think the best thing that we can do is to, you know, use the power of our food dollars to support our local farmers and our local food producers. That's always step one. Outside of that, I think it's really critical right now that folks who have the means and the ability are purchasing CSAs and kind of giving that long-term commitment to a farm. I am curious about the opportunities to to better support on a systems level, to better support our farmers. Um, At this point in time, you know, the market is our primary source, um, you know, of support for our farmers. But I do know, you know, with the the restaurants shutting down and with, you know, some of these big accounts, you know, no longer being viable, a lot of our farmers have extra products and don't quite know what to do or where, you know, how they're going to make those sales. And so I think it's important that we continue to find, like, how do we do this on a bigger scale? Um, And that's something, you know, I think that there's going to need to be a lot more dialogue across, you know, organizations and across um, all of our governing agencies about how do we best support our farmers for long term sustainability. But the best thing we can always do is to, to vote with our food dollars. Well, Dana, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time with me today. Thank you so much. To learn more about the Fulton Street Farmers Market, follow the link available in this episode's description or visit them at FultonStreetMarket.org.